Welcome back, everybody, to Top Shelf, a guide to high-quality leadership, spirits, and everything in between. All right. My main man, Clint, is here with me in the pod lab. It's been a little while. I was on a bit of a tour of BC and Alberta, but I'm back. I'm fresh. Back's a little bit sore from the uh, sitting in a chair all day behind a wheel, but... Tour de Western Canada? Tour de Western Canada. Mm. And not on a bicicleta. Tour de force. Yeah, tour. I I was a force. I was a force. (laughs) To be reckoned with on the road, for sure. (laughs) Well, I've seen your driving. It's very scary. Very scary. Yeah, in the robot. In the robot, yeah. Yeah, Cool. Yeah, super cool. It transforms. (laughs) So... This leadership moment, I want to, uh, we're going to dive into more of an, an interview style. Um, we're going to interview Clint, some, some you know, personal news uh, happened, and, but we do have a current event as well, and we're going to shape Clint's um, current situation around leadership, and we're going to frame it on how we are going to learn from it and how we as leaders can adapt and, and make changes, and, and Clint's going to kind of dive into, you know, what transpired over the last let's say two years, 17 weeks, but most recently over the last couple of days. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and it's personal. So I, you know, I want to kind of close it off an interview with you because I think leaders and employees are, can and have been facing this type of situation and what are the do's and don'ts and what are some of the learnings from it? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So current event news, I wanted to talk about it because it is in the forefront, uh, as I was on my tour de force, I was a bore witness to it, and that is around climate change. And uh, i.e., for us here in Canada, it is around wildfires in Western Canada, but actually across all of Canada. There, I believe, there are two twelve hundred and thirty wildfires burning right now, and kind of what can we, as the average leader, as the average person? do about climate change like what you know there's wildfires everywhere okay so we're not going to smoke we're not going to throw our cigarettes out we get all that there are lightning strikes there are campfire bans some people have been lighting some fires on purpose that could be just a mental yeah you know issue uh they may not have the capacity to really understand what it means to light a fire and the impact of fires on communities farms animals just life in general for sure and you know what are the steps and i also heard that a a young boy had passed away because he had a bad um um, asthma attack he was like seven or eight years old and uh, the air quality wasn't good enough for him and that asthma attack appears to have taken his life so these some serious things that are going on you also had some news on another uh, fatality as well well yeah i think it was just recently that the 19 year old girl that was a volunteer firefighter uh, passed away so we've had two deaths in bc thus far for this season uh, so you know the number you had mentioned earlier okay, i don't know if you can say it again that's canada-wide right it was canada-wide yeah, canada. 1230 1230 uh, 391 active fires in BC as of two days ago. So you're looking at 400 f- fires that are active. Um, and some of those fires are out of control, right? And I guess you get pinned into certain situations. I mean, she was a 19-year-old person. Um, you know, my thought right away was like... Is she prepared? Is she prepared? Yeah. And, you know, at 19, um, are, are, is she already an active firefighter? She could be. 
it, was she just a volunteer? What was, what was the scope of work? What was her safety training, her experience? Was she partnered with anybody? You know, I'd like to see how that was all kind of, um, you know, we're flying. Oh, sure. I'm sure people from all over the world to help out, right? So, right. Um, yeah, and I don't. Does WCB investigate this? Like these these you know deaths in a wildfire fight? How yeah. does one go in there and go and decide? No, you know you should, you didn't provide provide enough training, or totally she, she got caught and she there, there was she didn't understand the wind or the force of wind or. You know the the situation, oh, situational awareness, because she was very young. Yeah, the W the WCB question. I you know or I any any first, investigation for I, sure that something's happening at some level. But um, with volunteer work, you know that must be a that's a blurred line. I would imagine. Yeah, right? she's volunteering. She's volunteering her time. No, no, there has to be some kind of leadership controls in place. You For can't sure, just, you can't just volunteer and go. Okay, well, I'm gonna go fight fires and not, not get training. There yeah, has, there must be there has to be checks Absolutely. and balances. For sure. What would that look like? And how do you check the boxes for young people? If if a young person's ready to go and fight fires, is like a young person's willing to go to war. Yeah, you, well, I guess you know who's liable for her death. You know, so that investigation will determine whether or not it was herself or it was yeah. lack of training, lack of equipment, lack of support, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. So. Yeah, some serious stuff around, you know, this climate change. And I wanted to give you, because I struggle with this, mm-hmm. you know, what are some things that the common person can do? Like we all try to do our recycling and what have you, and we try to do our best by turning off lights. But what are some of the other things we don't really think about too much? And one big thing that I, I wasn't totally aware of was waste less food. Yeah, It actually reduces sure. the methane because it comes from the cows and everything else. So that's also increasing the, the, the climate change is the methane gas from the cows and the animals. Absolutely, yeah. So there's there's that. Um, consume less water and energy. So we, we, we do change lights out for LEDs and yeah. try to make sure if you do leave a room to turn the lights off. So I mean, just things you want to nail into your head and try to volunteer <clears throat> or be, be a little bit active. If you have a company or work for a company, see if there's some funds that you can put aside to, to, to be more active in the environment. What can we do to make change? Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Just and let it happen. Your animal piece is a good one as well. Ag- agricultural farming, uh, you know, even just natural animals in our habitat. I mean, Canada has such a small carbon footprint that we don't really, even, I think David Suzuki said once that even if every Canadian was perfect in recycling and, and yes. environmentally conscious, we would have like a net zero impact on the 1% world. 1% or something, yeah. Yeah, it was such a small thing, but that still doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. And my wife's big into this, and, and one of the things that she's really focused on this last couple of years is, um, you know, the whole uh, three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah. Um, a lot of um, thrifting has been happening at our house. And sure. so, yeah, sure. A lot of it has to do with the fact that we can't afford to go out and buy a whole bunch of new clothes all the time. But the fashion industry and the clothing industry is a very, um, it's a it's a throwaway industry. You get a t-shirt and you're like, oh, I don't really like the fit of this. I'm just going to throw it away. Or I'm going to, you know, hopefully yeah, you're you donating. You give back to Goodwill. 
hole, Hopefully. Valley Village, that kind of thing. Yeah, but a so. lot of people just throw it away, you know. Or I got a little tiny hole in my pant. I'm gonna throw that away where they could just stitch it. Mm-hmm. You know, like think of my parents. My mom, when she grew up, she was like, "Oh, when I was in high school, I only had one skirt that I owned, and I had to wear it three days a week." And it's like, what? Just take care of it, wash it twice a week. Totally. Or something like and you would, yeah. you would. Kids knew how to stitch back then, and they would, they would mend it, mm-hmm. and they would fix it, and they really cherish that one pair of jeans or one pair of uh, fancy outfit that they have. You think now it's like I have it's, twelve pairs of shorts. It's an abundance. Have, it's, There's an abundance. It's an yeah. abundance. Yeah. yeah, and that is a huge environmental impact if you yeah. think about it on a global scale. So. Yeah, no, the big changes that we can do, that these small little changes we can do to make a difference, and thrifting has become popular. For uh, sure. Kids are going thrifting now, and it's it's a thing again. We're going to go to Valley Village or, or buy some used stuff that's already pre-worn. It looks cool. Yeah. You know, Kanye launched his sweater brand with all the holes in it, so, I mean... If I I just made $200 on Facebook Marketplace. I found an old lamp I paid 20 bucks for, and I cleaned it up, and I sold it for 240 on Marketplace, and I shipped it to a guy in uh, Regina. Regina. Yeah. yeah, so you nailed it. It was yeah. actually in Saskatchewan. So, yeah. yeah, so, like, you know, there's there's opportunity to make money, but there's also opportunity to be reusing things, which is which is great for the, uh, you know... The, the environment, and, and yeah. trying to make those little changes that maybe make big changes further down the, the line. Absolutely. It's a, it is. It's a domino effect, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And then your kids can kind of see it and view it and, and because they're going to be the, ultimately the ones that are going to have to handle the the big changes in how they live. and Absolutely. Yeah. And well, and this is all, you know, and, and I'll be the devil's advocate here, but this is all if you believe in climate change, right? So there's a big populace out there that <laughs> just think that this is just the world turning, you know, 10,000 years ago, it was hotter on earth than it is today. Mm-hmm. And so why do we worry? And, you know, but I think we've seen such a rampant or rapid increase in, in, in climate disasters and temperature increases, and it's happened so fast. And if you look back in history, as far as I know, as scientists have kind of proven out that it does never happen this fast in yeah, history. It's a ten year spike. Yeah. yeah it's a ten year spike yeah. for sure. Pretty scary. Yeah. Okay. So you know what I wanted to get into now we'll jump we'll jump off of climate change, but if anyone wants to hit us up on um uh, Twitter or um our, our social media platforms if you have ideas or concepts around climate change and other things we could do or um you know, websites or, you know, places we can join, uh, more than willing to help and support, um, you know, advocacy towards um, better bettering our earth. Well, keep, yeah, keep the conversation open. I think it's yeah. a great conversation to have, not just on a personal level, but also from a business perspective. Yeah. So yeah. lots of things businesses and small businesses, big businesses can do to uh, better the environment and, and go green. So, yeah. All right, so Clint, yes, right. sir. two years, 17 weeks ago, you had uh, a situation, you had a full-time job, you were doing quite well in uh, your role at this uh, this company, yep. uh, you were enjoying yourself, you were well immersed, uh, well respected within the organization, and you had a... You lead me, lead me into it, but you had a, a, a health issue. Yeah, ongoing health issue. That At the time, you know, I was just toughen out i just i think it had already been going on for about a year and i was just kind of working through it but it progressively got worse to a point where of course i had to see you know specialists trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what's going on i was getting some uh you know this is explicit episode so i was getting some testicular pain 
I thought I was worried maybe I had what's called testicular torsion. That's where like your testicle kind of twists, twists yeah. and you could lose your testicle if, yeah. if you don't get it fixed. So I had that looked at. It turned out that I had something called a varicocele, which is like varicose veins, yeah. but in the testicle. Uh, I went in and I got a surgery done. Uh, the pain was still there, which was very strange. Mm. So, um, you know, long story short, they found a hernia. Oh, you have a hernia? We'll fix that. So I got booked in to see a surgeon. Um, this is all when COVID was happening. So things, you know, if I say I got booked in to things, see a surgeon, you know, things six months later, took, I saw a surgeon. So were you off during those surgeries? Um, so, no. So what, so what, the, what triggered, like, the your time off? When? So the time off was after I got the varicocele, I was... I was in significant pain. I actually thought that maybe that that surgery caused more issues than than it you know than it helped. And it was my my boss at the time, uh, my leader. Uh, he just came to me one day and said, "You're not presenting the way you normally do. You're usually happy-go-lucky, pretty bubbly guy, on point. Every time I hear you on a Zoom call, you're laboring, like you're uh, like you can barely talk." And and I said, "Well, I'm I'm in pain. I'm suffering every time I'm." Sitting down for longer than thirty minutes, I just my back seizes up, my my testicles flare up. It's it's I get a sharp pain in my lower groin, like mm-hmm. somebody's jabbing me with a hot knife. And he's like, "You got to get that fixed. Like you need to you need to take time off work and get that fixed." So, short term disability kicked in. I thought, okay, I'm going to get this hernia surgery. It's going to fix it, and I'll be back to work. Yeah, you, that was <clears throat> that was like uh, a few months. Before the the COVID pandemic really kicked in, right? Is that is that right? No, so sorry. So that was that was during COVID. It was, it was actually during. at the tail end. Okay. Yeah, because okay. Um, well, mid mid COVID, I guess. Because when I went off on short term disability, it was just at the end of 2020. Okay. And then so 2021 was where all of a sudden my short term disability. I had surgery. And I realized that the hernia surgery didn't fix the pain either. And then I was like, oh, shit. Like, but when you had that happening? initial surgery, did you think to yourself, okay, I got it. Yeah. And mentally, you were like, I'm prepared to get back to work. Yeah. And, yeah. and so a couple of days later or shortly after, it's like, it's it's not fixed. I had it circled on the calendar, actually. Yeah, yeah. May 15th, 2021. I had yeah. to go back to work. I had already figured out um, with my leader at the time what I was going to be doing, what project I was going to be working on. He was sending me files. Um, it was two weeks after the surgery because I was on heavy medication with the hernia surgery. They cut your abdomen wall. You got to yeah, take yeah. a lot of painkillers. And so the, the, the medication I was on made me feel like I was better because mm. I was just numb. And then when I got off that medication, I remember I took my son to hockey practice and I'm standing outside. And at that time we weren't allowed in the arenas because of COVID. So I had to stand at the glass and watch, watch it. From and I'm standing yeah, on yeah. concrete. And sure enough, it was about 40 minutes in. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'm in extreme pain. And I, I knew right then and there I wasn't fixed. And that was, a, that was probably in my whole three and a half year journey of my chronic pain. That was the hardest moment for me. It's like the culmination where... It- you, either your spirits are high. You had the surgery. Yeah. I think everything is going to be a-okay, ready to get back to work. It's yeah. circled on thing. Mentally prepared. And now you need a new diagnosis. That was that was a knockout punch. Yeah. 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 Even talking now, I'm getting emotional about it because I'm just reliving that. Then it was back to the drawing board. Then it was every doctor, every specialist I've seen to date, all the blood work, all the tests, all the CT scans, trips to emergency, yeah. all that stuff. 
meant nothing because nobody knew what was going on with me. It was a mystery. So they're like, we got to give you an MRI. But because we're backlogged because of COVID, it's going to be nine months to get an MRI. I can now, imagine. Well, it is brutal. <laughs> I mean, so the question always people ask me is, well, why don't you go private? Private, you get in right away. It's a thousand bucks. You can get in tomorrow, go right. get an MRI. But I'm, people have to understand that I'm, I'm stuck under my health provider. I, I have to abide by their rules and their rule is no privatization. You have to, you have to do what they guide you to do. So, so if you paid out of pocket, yeah, you would forfeit your coverage. Is that how my, it works? Yeah. My LTD benefit. So any type of, uh, privatized, um, avenue I, that I want to go down mm-hmm. would, would be forfeiting my LTD. Yeah. So they, because what could happen is I could get a misdiagnosis or if I went for like a private surgery and they actually screwed me up worse. It would it would null and void my LTD benefit. So to at that point I'm off work. I need to be collecting money to pay the bills, pay my mortgage, yeah, yeah. you know, keep the lights on. I, I can't risk that. So that's the number one question I get. Why don't you go private? Well, I can't go private. So I have to stay in and, and stay in stay in the system. But of course, our public healthcare system normally is long, well, and then post COVID, yeah, very yeah, COVID's long. even worse. Yeah, yeah, totally. it's long, but it's not. It's doable. It mm-hmm. used to be doable. Now mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's incredibly lineups and, and now there's just a whole bunch of back and not a lot of people are working. So it's that they're in that field as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so your stressors now are, okay, so nine more months. Okay. Yeah. I've got a plan. Got uh, a plan. Got a diagnosis. Yeah. Waiting around, just waiting around for an MRI. So uh, you're waiting for the MRI. And I'm, then... At this time, I'm cycling through different medications to feel, to kind of feel, like they had me on um, antidepressants, they, which which help with pain, nerve yeah, pain yeah. specifically. Okay. Um, not not that I was depressed, but I was actually kind of depressed. So <laughs> it was depressing. It but, work, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I was prescribed antidepressants and and at this point they they knew it was nerve pain they had it figured out even though i hadn't seen a neurologist or had an mri they had a they had a real good feeling that it was nerve related right and so i'm on these different medications i felt like a zombie it was about six months of my life where i don't even really i missed a christmas like i wasn't there for christmas i was there physically but not mentally that was a tough time for me i managed to get on to a, a pretty good medication a little bit later on down the road but uh, to go back, I end up getting my MRI. Yeah, it was during that heat wave a couple summers ago. I'm in the MRI machine. MRI machine broke down. It overheated, so I got stuck. In, I got yeah, stuck yeah. in the MRI. This yeah. is just my luck. And you know, you get your MRI and you think, okay, now they're going to look at the MRI, but they have to send that off to a neurologist to, to review. Yeah, and the neurologist. It's a referral program, so it took another six months after my MRI to go see my neurologist. So you're talking 15 months to to get somebody to see me to acknowledge, yeah, to acknowledge. Yeah. So, so fast forward to 15 months later, I'm in the neurologist's office, and what's hilarious is within 15 minutes he diagnoses me. He's like, "You have uh, permanent nerve damage of your iliohypogastric nerve," which is you know a lot of mumble jumble and and i you know my first question of course was what does permanent nerve damage mean yeah how do i fix that how do i what what do i do what do i do yeah so you know i have done everything to this point every specialist you could imagine a lot of people give me recommendations for of course everything i even did everyone wants to help google md it totally yeah I even did an Eastern uh, medicine, Chinese medicine uh, acupuncturist that my buddy swore by, and he told me he would fix me in eight weeks. Didn't work. 
Um, I've done it all. So you name it, I've done it. Anyways, my neurologist diagnoses me. He tells me I've got this permanent nerve damage. I say, hey, well, what can I do about it? He said, well, we can give you a series of different treatments uh, that could help ease the pain, but it won't get rid of the pain. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I need to get rid of the pain. Yeah, I need to focus. I need to be able to work. Totally. So I'm like, well, let's try those treatments first. He has to do his job, and his recommendation is we're going to do these injections. So I've done the injections already, but now that I have a diagnosis, I thought, "I'm, I'm optimistic. Let's do it. So you get the... You know, 12 injections into your stomach and right along the nerve where the, where the damage is, where they think the damage is, and I get no result. So then he puts me on this new medication that's supposed to really, really help with nerve pain, no result. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I took it over and above what I was taking already and it, it didn't do anything. So then he said, well, you are a bit of a special case, of course. Yeah, I'm going to refer you for surgery. surgery. Yeah. Uh, you have to go see this specialized neurosurgeon. The surgery is a 50-50 surgery, which means that it works 50% of the time and it doesn't work 50% of the other time. It's called nerve ablation. They basically cut the nerve. Sever it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they, saw, they cauterize both ends and then hope it doesn't grow back. And if it grows back, he says you're going to be two to three times worse in pain, mm-hmm. which is brutal. So you put your, your, but you're willing to go for the surgery? For sure. I, you know, I think 50% is good odds. Uh, I know some people, maybe not. My wife doesn't think yeah, so. Yeah, but... You, you want to get back to normal. You want to get back to work. You I, want to get I'd back honestly, to, I would do it if it was 10%. Yeah, I yeah. would do it. I would roll the dice and hope for the best. Uh, and then at least I can sleep at night with a conscience knowing that I did everything I could to get my life back. Okay. Um, so so now, yeah. so you got the result. Okay. Yeah. You are on a list for surgery. Right? Mm-hmm. The clock is still ticking on your package, your LTD package with from your employer. That's right. And... You've got a date now sometime in October, right? So we're waiting for that surgery to happen. Of this well, year, yeah, of, yeah, it's for a year. consult to see if I'll get the surgery. Yeah, yeah. So but it's a bit, it's still a bit of a gray, it, well, it, whether I'm either even going to get it. So you forced yeah. the you forced the hand. I'm ready. For to, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Physically, yeah. mentally ready. Dick. Absolutely. And yeah. so now the clock it. ticks. You're at two years, 17 weeks. Yep. Which is your long-term, short-term, long-term disability. And now the benefit ends. Now you get a call or um, email from just your, an email your, yeah. your, your, yeah. your employer, your yeah. H, the HR department. Yeah, and uh, you weren't you weren't prepared for that. No, you know what's funny is I I kept in close contact with my boss and a few folks from my company for probably the first eight weeks or so of yeah. my disability. Right after that, total darkness. Right. Nobody reaching out, nobody calling to see how I'm doing. Um, but, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt, my healthcare provider had told me that they wanted all the communication to be done directly with them and not between me and my employer. Right. Okay. So, But at the same time, the people side of things, I thought that there would be other people reaching out to me, executives that I'd worked with in the past, mm-hmm. um, just people that I've worked with on different projects and not necessarily the people that reported to me. I get it. I was their boss. We don't have a friendship, right. but there were some peers and some friends and some colleagues of mine that I was actually quite shocked, never actually even reached out. Reached out. Right. Yeah. Right. It was kind of like, Hey, I haven't seen you around for two years. Where have you been? Like, I didn't get any of that, which was weird. So uh, that was tough. But back to the original question. Yeah, so two years, 17 weeks, uh, you get the call, it's HR. Yeah. Hey, yeah. we're terminating your employment it's, and uh, effective immediately, is that? Yeah, it was. I, 
it's funny how they worded it. They said, hey, we're going to give you an opportunity to kind of defend your case here. And, and as I was talking about, hey, I got only got two months. I'm at the finish line. I'm ready. I'm almost there. Like, can we just hold off for two more months? Because what happens when I get terminated from my employment is I don't lose my LTD benefit. So that money comes every month still. Yeah. But I do lose my job. So I have nothing to go back to right. once I get my yeah, surgery. Yeah. And of course, I lose all my health benefits, so I don't have dental and medical and all that stuff anymore, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is an extra expense to me because now I got to pay out of pocket for my medication, uh, any specialist appointments, right. that type of stuff. So it's it's a real kick in the ass. I get from a employer perspective that I am a burden to them. Yep. And I think the <laughs> word that they use in the in the legal term is that it's a frustrated contract. So there's frustration on both sides. But but people side of me was saying, hey, can you, I gave you guys a big portion of my life. I'm committed to coming back. Can you give me two months? Right. And then at the end of two months, then we can, no, no problem. And you right? were looking for the empathy from totally. the, the leadership group to have, totally. just have an assessment and go, okay, well, could we use you? And they didn't even tell you whether or not they could use you in a role. No. Um, are they going to be posting a job now, now that they've eliminated your role? So there's... I would imagine I had been off for so long that that role is maybe obsolete at this point. Anyways. Potentially, yeah. But, you know, so the person I spoke with did take it away. You, you know what? You built a good case here. I'm going to take this away. Right. And then the, a couple days later, no, you know what? Sorry, I talked to the people in charge. Mm-hmm. We're going to stay the course on our decision. Right. And uh, and thanks a lot. It was kind of the the, the tone of the conversation. Okay. At that point, I knew this was a one way kind of street. I'm not. There's nothing I can say that's going to get me out of this. So. I said, okay, no problem. Let, let's move forward. So yeah, next steps too for you. I mean, you know, this type of situation, you want to seek legal counsel as well. You don't want to mm-hmm. just um, sign off a, a document that could s- you could still have something available for you. So you Absolutely. definitely want to seek legal counsel. Yeah, an employer, an employment lawyer has been contacted yep. uh, to go through. You know, one thing that was another interesting point is. Well, being on LTD, you can't make any additional income. If you make anything, you have to give that to the healthcare provider to right. offset of the money they give you. Yep. And so I can't work, which makes sense. I which I can't work for my, I just physically can't work. Um, but if I got severance, I thought, well, severance would be what I'm entitled to for the years that I did work there and I wasn't on disability. Yeah, go towards. But that's not the yeah. case. So my four weeks, which is I think get the maximum severance, which is great. But that 100% of that goes to uh, the health care benefit provider. Which is a bit of a kick in the ass, right? That's money that I could totally use. Even a portion of that would be great. Mm -hmm. I would rather even donate it to a charity than than to give it back to those guys. But at the same time, what do you do, right? No, I mean... It's a tough pill to swallow. It's it, it's probably situationally happened to a lot of different people that listen to the podcast and have friends that have had the same situation, right? So, you, I guess, sharing the information, basically, you have 17 weeks standard on short-term disability, and then That's you right. have two years. Um, General rule of thumb, two okay, years, two years yeah. of long-term disability. And then yeah. at that moment, basically, you're going to be cut free. Yeah. And so, you... you kind of want to have things circled on a calendar be, pre- be prepared as opposed to I don't know if you it's, were really prepared you were no. just oh shit I got a phone call it oh, was a it was out of the blue it's out of the blue you know I should have known I've I've dealt with it I've dealt with it in the past I've been on the other side in the past yeah. I've dealt with LTD claims in the past I've dealt with terminating an employee while they're in LTD you know it just it just 
it, it, it went over my head. And when the phone call came in, I got the email, I got the letter. I was, I was a bit in shock, but then I, but I also knew, I knew, ah, this was inevitable. I knew this was coming. I just, yeah. I just didn't realize when. So yeah, it is a two year mark. They do a full reassessment of you and whether or not they can accommodate you within any role in the organization. And if they cannot, and they deem it based on your limitations. So yeah. I have limitations of sitting, standing for certain yeah, amount your, of time. Your functional limitations and restrictions. So 100%. You're, you're basically your capacity. Yeah. You, have, you have a certain level of capacity. Absolutely. Like yeah. sitting here right now, my ass is on fire. Yeah. Like it's it's a tough thing to do. I, I push through. But I know if I go longer day than thirty five minutes, day, I'm gonna day. be I'm gonna be suffering yeah, for it. Yeah. Day in day out is not exactly. Feasible. It's yeah. it's constant. You know, actually, I'll, I'll give you a quick analogy. You ever lift a weight, a dumbbell, and you lift it to the halfway mark and you hold it, and let's say it's moderately heavy, and at first you're like, oh, this is no problem, I got it. But no matter if it was a one pound weight or a twenty pound weight, eventually over time your shoulder will burn, your wrist will hurt, and you'll have to drop the weight. So my back and my nerve and my, my groin, it's, it's all that. So the muscles are engaged constantly because it's, it's flexing, it's damaged, it's flexing constantly. And when I wake up in the morning after I've lined down, it it feels okay. And then as the day progresses, it just gets more sore and sore and sore to a point where if I don't lay down again, or I don't use like a tens machine, like a Dr. Ho nerve machine, uh, or I don't get a massage then all of a sudden it gets to a point where I can't hold that weight anymore and it's so painful. It gives away. It gives, gives away, away and I, ha- I have to I have to lie down. So yeah, that's kind of my best analogy I could use for that. But uh, it's been my life for three and a half years, hoping for surgery soon and yeah, get back at it. Yeah. So Okay. Well, and kind of a reset, right? So mm-hmm. now you, you, you have to mentally stay strong here. It would have been nice, actually, if the... The leaders would have been engaged with you. Your your former leaders would have been engaged with you as well. Just a, like a send off or a, hey, thanks. You know what? I really hope you get better and maybe down the road or as opposed to just leaving to HR. You don't leave that, you know, from a leader. You don't give, leave that employee with that, you know, that touch of, hey, I'm still here. We still think about you. You know, yeah. sorry, I had to go this way. I don't know the HR people. You know, like I do know them, but I don't know them like you know your your leader. Leader, yeah. And you sit down with them, break bread. You, you know, dinner. and and no mention of like the employee assistance program. Hey, how are you doing mentally? You know, the mental side of thing is is probably almost as bad or worse sometimes than the physical side. Mm-hmm. I've re- I've actually because I know how to use an EAP program. I've administered them. I I used my company's EA. I used counseling from there. I had to. I had yeah, to reach out to somebody, yeah. and that was my direct line to talk to somebody because I knew, okay, this is a program that's available to me. Which sucks as well with uh, my my current uh, termination is that I won't. Ha- I'll have no access to an AAP program anymore. Yeah. So I have to pay out of pocket to talk to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I'll just do another podcast about it. Mm-hmm. This is therapeutic. So. Yeah, get get some uh, people support and support from outside uh, the top shelf group and, and for sure. see what happens. Yeah, but from a leadership perspective, for me, I, I would want to make sure that I'm involved in, I don't want to say the termination, but involved in the conversations with HR just to be present and just to show that I'm aware of the situation. And, and um, you know, I, I, we didn't, as a company, want this to happen, but, uh, you know, and, and almost like ownership. You don't want just leaving it, basically leaving it to the axe man to just go to, you, you just execute it and I'll just stay in my office here. 
to- yeah, totally impersonable, personal, per- impersonal. Yeah. And you get that feeling of kind of like, well, did I even want to go back to that company? Now that this has happened, you know, they left the door open. They said, hey, if you want to come back, uh, if there's a role open, you happy to yeah. have you apply. You know, it was, it was kind of like, oh, okay. Where, you're done, where, but like, you're not done. Yeah, yeah. Like, so now I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely done. Um, it is what it is. Okay. Well, yeah. and we're here for you, my man. And so we'll, we'll that. continue to find avenues to support, uh, both mentally and physically. And, and now to your cocktail du jour. I didn't yes. do the announcements, kind of a little secret here. Uh, yeah, it this is. Oh, this is a good one. Yeah. This is a good one. Do you like this one? This is a heavy, boozy one if you guys are. <laughs> yeah, it's a, really it's a proper cocktail. Yeah, it's a proper cocktail. So we are going to be having the Negroni. And I'll give you a little bit of history on the Negroni, the, the backstory, as Clint prepares it for us. And the, 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 the story here is legend, legend has it that the Negroni originated at Cafe Cassoni, which is situated in the City of Dreams, also known as Florence, Italy. And so I'm going to dig into and the ingredients here for you. We are going to be actually using um, the botanist gin. So we'll have um, three quarters of an ounce of botanist gin, three quarters of an ounce of sweet vermouth. We will have three quarters of an ounce of Campari bitters. And we'll also garnish it with a fresh orange peel slice. So this um, drink, this cocktail, is 100% alcohol. So there is no fillers. There's no soda water. In the U.S., they have been adding soda water to kind of um, soften it. But uh, the traditional cocktail, this is um, all alcohol. It is not shaken. It is uh, poured over ice, which is Clint's just adding the gin now after all the Campari and the vermouth. And then you just stir it. And so he'll uh, stir it and then add the orange um, orange pinwheel. And then we'll get a photo of it. But it uh, looks amazing. It's a kind of a red, like a deep red, orange red color. Martini Rossi vermouth. Yeah, the vermouth in there. So we're gonna we're gonna get our orange wheels in there. Now this is a this is a stiff one, but this is a beauty. It's okay. one of my personal favorites. It's got everything I like in it. Okay, Clint's getting back on the microphone here. It looks fantastic, my friend. I'm gonna take. And it. now the the orange peel is just for the scent. For the scent. Okay. Nostravie. Now that's a cocktail. Pow. That is a cocktail. Right in the kisser. Wow. It's the, you know, that gets that gets the party started in a hurry. You know who's fav- oh the bitter it's the bitters. It's Favorite just- cocktail this is? Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. Go- Google his video yeah, on yeah. when he makes a Negroni. And oh. he, he hand pours it all. There's no shot glasses. It's all just one third, one third, one third. And then he puts a big chunk of orange slice in there, stirs it up, hammers it back. Yeah. yeah. This is a, this is a, this is a uh, shirts on, pants off, jump in the pool kind of drink. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, a couple uh, more sips of this. Shirts on, we're, pants we're going streaking. 
Hey, honey, you think KFC is still open? I mean, this is this is all this is all this is all alcohol content. It's great. It's fantastic. It, it's uh, not sweet. Trish to come not, pick me up. Not sweet tonight. at all. Not sweet at all. No, it's you know I think the Campari is a bit of a bitter. Uh, it's almost like an Aperol. Oh yeah, yeah. It's you know this is yeah you sip on it delicious oh you sip on it already right, oh, yeah. you don't okay so FYI don't add a straw <laughs> don't add a straw yeah no because straw. if you add a straw to drinks everyone out there uh, for anyone that doesn't know you drink your drink through a straw fifty times faster through the straw yeah absolutely you just <laughs> I couldn't even imagine drinking that fifty times faster <laughs> it's me the chills yeah, yeah. they're multiplying. All so right, good. everybody. So this is the end of season three, episode three, total number eighteen. Because Clint loved to switch us into set season three. I had to look over at our whiteboard here again to remember what uh, eighteen episodes. Eighteen wow. episodes. Uh, we're gonna tour. We're adults we're gonna... now. We're adults. Eighteen. Man, once well, you can... hit eighteen, that's it. Yeah. Wow. Well, we can no, buy no, alcohol. <laughs> in Calgary. In Calgary. <laughs> Um, so signing out, uh, this is Jason Krause, my good friend Clinton, uh, Robert Latane. That's me. Yeah, that's him. Uh, we are going to be kind of get more, a little bit more regular with our fiber and our diets and <laughs> our gonna say, uh, fiber? podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Metamucil. Yeah, because uh, my road trips for uh, for work are over, but uh, great tour. I'll, I'll, I'll chat a little bit about it. Uh, yeah, let's next talk about episode. that. Next. Yeah, was, let's talk about you next. It was time. incredible. It was I'm going to interview you next and time. Imagine most of that driving time, I I didn't even listen to music. I just sat in silence. And you listened to top show podcasts. I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I just allow allow myself to reflect. And it, was a, nice. it was an amazing time to reflect. So absolutely. All right, signing out. Love you guys. Uh, stay tuned and check us out on Twitter, Top Shelf, one, two, three, four, five, just like my door code. <laughs> oh, you're never going to live that? Uh, yeah. Never going to. And uh, Instagram, uh, Top Shelf, the podcast. Check us out. We'll post some stuff up there. We'll get better at posting, guys. And uh, uh, love you and uh, check you out next time. Yeah, I love you guys too. And thanks for listening. I appreciate it. This has uh, been a very therapeutic uh, episode for me, and we're running late. I'm sorry. I like to talk. I like the sound of my own voice, but uh, looking forward to catching up with everybody next time.